0: And we're live. Andrew, how are you doing? Hey, good to be here, Caleb. Glad to have you. Uh, we're doing this right after I had on Jay from Slurp Gang to talk about uh, Pat's work by Curtis Yarvin. Um, Man, because you were in the comment section disagreeing with like the first half of it and agreeing with the second half. And so um, let's get into it. Like, What was your disagreement with the first half of it? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's just a, uh, I think it, some of his takes on... You know the characterization of it. This these were minor little little differences, and uh, you know for the I think where he went with it was a much better than where he started. Mm. Yeah, yeah, where where he started was oh, you know this was this was not a very serious work by 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 Yarvin, and yeah, he was trying to be you know edgy through it. I'm like okay, you know that's that's fair but it's like, you know, he's, he's being serious at the same time. And some of it is a little bit tongue in cheek. Cause again, this is a blog, you know, this yeah. is not like a book. It's a blog. Yeah. And, you know, like, but you know, where I really disagreed with him was, you know, his characterization of, okay, well, where is this going? And you know, what, you know, how would democracy interact with this? If you know, this were starting out somehow. And that was where I really disagreed with him and he made a, a point like, Hey, if, you know, let's say we got this thing going, uh, you know, like an initial patch somewhere and this thing is starting to flourish and be great. And, you know, aren't the Democrats, you know, the little D Democrats, you know, very little D, uh, going to be looking at this and saying, Oh, good, you know, good for you. And no, we're not letting you do this because we're not giving up our sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And my answer to that would, you know, would be no, they wouldn't do that because they're bought off and cr- and cr- they're all too too corrupt and it's, it's like i mean literally right now they're all bought off by all the same exact corporations that are uh you know basically trying to implement patchwork right now and <laughs> you know in a, in a much more terrifying version of, of patchwork because you know whereas uh jarvin's kind of being tongue-in-cheek with some of the totalitarianism and like the you know the soylent green jokes and stuff like that uh they're probably being quite you know the you know current world economic forum they're being quite literal about it and because this is what this is what they're talking about when they say you will own nothing and love it (laughs) and you know which is kind of like uh you know yarvin's argument it's like you're not going to own the property it's all going to be basically Mm -hmm. you know ultra long-term leases and you know you're going to be uh you know, and you're by the, and you're going to be like, how did people ever live like, you know, the way they did before? And, yeah. you know, and I see this as like the, uh, you know, the future, because they're literally talking about this right now. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like, I don't know if they're going to succeed, but, you know, the, the way it's been, the way things have been going. I don't think that's like a uh, I, I definitely think it's like, OK, at least a 50 50 chance that they're going to succeed. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, no, they've I totally been did. they've been just killing it, you know, in, yeah. in terms of power. And, yeah, you know we've been losing it every single turn and you know it's like they uh, it's like the terrifying part of patchwork is that it's
0: probably gonna be real what's the thing about like um as I was reading patchwork, I was doing the same time going deep down on the uh, the metaverse and like understanding how metaverse mm-hmm. works in digital property and it's like people are going to be living in a, cor- a equipment patchwork where they actually have no power and what you're describing, but they're gonna have their hypothetical. Patrick, they actually want to live it in the metaverse, and that's gonna be where gonna be find happiness in. It's so, like, yeah, my real life sucks, but in the metaverse, I live it in in Capistan, and it's great. Yeah, it's like I don't
1: have to live it in in Capistan in my head. I can live in in Capistan on the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, I was like, it's Pat's work, uh, Metaverse is going to be the Pat's walk. It yeah. is a, a Pat's and it's like I don't know if that's I don't know at this point. um, I mean, I mean, this is probably a downside, but like I'm mm-hmm. probably gonna get in the metaverse at this point. I just reality's boring. <laughs> Well, I mean, um, it's too
1: it's too fucking but, crazy. But yeah, it's uh, kind of crazy.
0: But <laughs> yeah, that was that was one like one of my
1: major disagreements with him is like the seriousness of you know what he what uh Yarvin's actually writing because I think we're mm-hmm. gonna get a far more terrifying version of it, you mm-hmm. know, probably within our lifetime and you know probably on the probably sooner rather than later. And you know, the I, I mean, this is exactly what the you know the corporations and the World Economic Forum are and. But, you know, the build back better, you know, bozos are, you know, are actually all talking about right now. I mean, they're doing it kind of in code. They're not quite saying, uh, saying it, but they are coming out and saying, Hey, you'll loan nothing and love it. And yeah. the, uh, and if you don't love it, you know, you'll be in like some gulag or the soil you'll be, we'll make soil and green out of you. And yeah. so, yeah, for me, this is kind of terrifying, but that the, uh, you know, I, and I do take it very, very seriously. And, and I can kind of prove it, you know, from my like my arcotropism framework where, I, you know, when I talk about monarchy and why it, why it went bust and why mm-hmm. it messed up with democracy. The same exact it's for the same exact reason that, uh, you know, for the reason that monarchy failed is the reason why uh, and democracy succeeded. It is the reason that, uh, you know, this corporate monarchy is going to succeed where democracy fails. And mm-hmm. the reason is scalability issues. There's at least four major scalability issues with the medieval monarchy. And if you'll give me one second, I have them written down. And one second, let me find it. Monarchy scalability issues. Here we go. Basically, it all comes down to the first one is the reason why why the others don't work. Mm -hmm. Basically, the first one is the lack of separation of ownership and management. This was like the major innovation that uh caused the industrial revolution and caused the age of expansion caused you know the enlightenment et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera was when we in in march uh 2nd or 20th i think it might have been 20th march 20th uh 1602 when we invented the first you know publicly traded joint stock corporation that and it was the mm-hmm. dutch east india company and basically what happened right there is you you, you now have had a perfectly balanced uh, you know, system of, uh, production and because, and monarchy has, uh, let me just go through the, uh, the four, uh, scalability issues first. And basically the first one is lack of separation, uh, separation of ownership and management. The second one is no consent of the people. The third is e- the economic pricing problem. You know, the, the ECP, you know, the, or the central planning problem. And the fourth mm-hmm. was the, uh, no circulation of elites. And so if you put, if you, and basically you solve all of those with number one, if you separate ownership and management, you can get consent of the people you can mm-hmm. get, you know, you can, uh, decentralize and you, and, uh, away from, uh, dis- and solve the diseconomies of scale problem, you know, which mm-hmm. is the, the ECP. and you, and you, ha- now you have a mechanism for, uh, restructuring, you know, which has a better circulation of elites. You know, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, when when the reason we have wars is because there's no real good entry mechanism into the, uh, there's no, or at least there's no real easy entry mechanism into the ruling class. It ends up being a ruling caste and, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's also very difficult to hand down. And in democracy is virtually impossible. Well, not virtually, but very, very difficult and expensive to hand it down to your kids, hand your power and your throne down to your kids. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, and what you end up with is, you know, you, you end up getting a whole lot of elites accumulating on the outside, particularly in, mon- in medieval monarchy. And so in order to, you know, satisfy those elites who want that power for themselves and they're, and it's either you or them, uh, they're going to choose them and they're going to round up the people and try to overthrow you. And, you know, sometimes that works, sometimes it didn't. And it, the, but when you have a separation of ownership and management, what you end up doing is like, okay, you can just buy it from them. You have shares and you can all buy it from them and, and you can, and you can all, you know, get together and hire, you know, a corporate mm-hmm. CEO that, you know, it basically your, your prime minister and the, uh, and he works for you and does that job. And so you have actually two, you know, two kinds of entry mechanisms where, Hey, you can be in the company and rise through the ranks over the years. And be and get to be on like the board of directors, and you can mm-hmm. be a, you know a shareholder, buy into the shareholder, and directly help elect the uh, you know the share the uh, you know the board of directors, and the, you know and so and so when you get to uh, the reason uh, you know republics succeeded the uh, you know uh, succeeded medieval monarchy is that the uh, you know they, they it solved the consent of the people problem because it turns out when you know. That with monarchy, you know, the king himself is incentivized to take a very low time preference for power in order to let his kingdom grow and flourish. And mm-hmm. you know that way, you know it's like you know deferring that gratification of power gets you more power in the future. And the problem with that is most people don't actually want to do that. They actually want a substantially higher amount of power, and uh, which is like like the ma- major problem with you know libertarian messaging is that, You're selling a losing message to people who really want the power, and they're willing to vote for it and pay money for it. And this is why monarchy – this was the main reason why monarchy
0: failed. Actually, the the one thing I didn't get to talk about that I want to talk about with Jay was um, Mm -hmm. uh, Yalvin's breakdown of the three kinds of voters, the uh, tribalist, the populist, and the the, uh, institutionalist. I think that was a really interesting point that he made that I think um, is spot on. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a spot on breakdown of the two kinds of voters.
1: And by the way, that the, the, those first two groups vastly outnumber the institutionalists. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Uh, it's like, And the uh, anyway, but but the and and you know they all have a much higher time preference for power. You know, where mm-hmm. they're like, oh yeah, let's let us let us get a whole lot more coercion in the present. <laughs> you know, I want my free stuff right now. Mm-hmm. And the and so the the. the where where this kind of goes wrong is is that the uh, it, it, and the, and it's worse is that it makes everybody a tenant instead of an owner. You have no actual ownerships so and no one's incentivized to treat it as private property. And you really need that as a counterbalance. You need a strong system of ownership on all sides, or at least on or at least on two out of three sides. You know, where, where like basically and where that you can out you know basically outnumber the bastards. Who really want the uh, that that higher time preference for power, but you know, but you would need to give them. You still need to give them something, and mm-hmm. you, you need. So basically, you need a mechanism for doing both that does a better job of, you know, a, a, than uh, because you it, that, that does a better job than medieval monarchy. And the problem with the republics is you have no counterbalance to it. So what ends up happening is that you, you know that uh, time preference for power ends up being kind of a race to the bottom you know or, or race to the highest high you know because it's always easier to infantilize people and lie to them you know about free about giving them free stuff than it is to actually tell them the truth and tell them to lose weight and be a better citizen and you know mm-hmm. it's like you know what you know t- telling them to defer gratification r- rather than i'll give you a ton of free stuff right now you know which one is the easier sales pitch obviously the you know, the free yeah. stuff right now and as you know and it's like i think, I think it was that, that one democrat who was caught by project veritas said you know modern fairy tales begin with when i get elected <laughs> pretty <laughs> it's pretty good and he, mm-hmm. anyway project veritas caught him anyway but the uh what, what's uh, yeah but what this you know what what this cause is basically a race to the bottom where you're squandering all of the resources of society But at the same time, you know, oh, and by the way, you know, with medieval monarchy, when we when we invented those joint stock corporations, you know, that caused a whole lot more production and a whole lot more wealth. Remember, we said there were scalability issues. This thing that that medieval monarchy does not work at scale. So when you have Mm -hmm. all these, uh, basically what you ended up doing was creating a whole lot more. Ah, uh, power centers than monarch than the system of monarchy could handle. This is why they ended up all breaking down into into republics because you had mm-hmm. the capitalists on the outside who are like trying to topple the regime because there's no, you know mechanism for entry into it mm-hmm. for the capitalists. you ended up getting re- republics, which do have a uh, mechanism of entry for the circulation release. The problem is you get all of the, the worst elites. You want the better mm-hmm. ones, and you want them properly incentivized. where, you know, so, you fast forward to today, where the uh, republics are scaling far faster than the private, private economy, and this is causing the elites a whole lot of problems, where, you know, where they and their businesses can't scale because the government keeps taking everything and keeps, ma- and, uh, you know, and keeps destroying their profits. And in some cases, actually helping them out, helping their competitors in ways they don't quite like so what ends up so where they're ended up doing right now is they've kind of out uh, you have all of these mega national corporations multinational mega corporations that have basically outgrown you know the system of republics that they were born under and the uh, and so that this is you know where I think you know Cenk Uger says this and I think he's actually correct that you know capitalism you know or I should say corporations have kind of a an Oedipus complex where they mm-hmm. want to kill their father, capitalism, and uh, and you know, basically fuck over their mother, democracy. Just <laughs> like that, mm-hmm. that's actually pretty accurate, and because yeah. this is what's happening right now is they're trying to—they're basically trying to kill their father and fuck their mother, right? The, now. the urge and, to
0: label this episode "What Tinkugo Gets Right." After the, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I might have to label this episode that one. Just for that one little quote. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. It's
1: like that would be embarrassing to me, but. Uh, now, that might be a good reason for you to do it <laughs> but anyway yeah what and right now what they're what they're doing is since they're they've basically outgrown their you know Republican mothers uh, or Democrat Democratic mothers is you know and they've you know basically caught co- you know destroyed capitalism in the process what they want to do now is basically supplant demo- supplant democracy and mm-hmm. they're ready to get rid of it and and so, like now, you have stuff that they're talking about, like with the World Economic Forum, where hey, we're getting rid of these. Uh, your mega national corporations are trying to take it over. So, and the difference is, you know, but you know, between patchwork and what we're probably facing is that in patchwork there are tens of thousands, and right here we've got maybe you know a couple dozen if we're really lucky, yeah. and you know, for the whole fucking planet that is not good. And you know, granted. At the same time that also gives libertarians and right-wingers a much better system of entry into the mm. uh ruling class because let's face it we're the ones with jobs <laughs> it's like okay it's perfect in the sense that it keeps all of the 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 left-wing peons out you know because they don't have jobs and it, and it, you know and the the ones that do are going to be greatly outnumbered at, you know in both you know population and you know, shares owned, you know, by the right wingers who all have jobs and don't have that problem. And so the, uh, and you end up, ta- and, uh, you end up taking out the, uh, but by, you know, giving those, uh, you know, leftist elites, a, you know, two, not, not just one, but two systems of entry, you kind of take away the need for them to, uh, you know, side with the, the left wing peons and robots and drones, you know, who are, you know, the NPCs, who, you know, don't have jobs or anything because they don't need them anymore. They can just buy their Mm -hmm. way in. So it's like the competent left-wing elites have their way in and they don't need the left-wing peons, you know, and the right-wingers all have their, you know, their way in, you know, through their 401ks and shit like that and investments, again, because they have jobs and the leftists don't. Mm -hmm. And so you end up, you know, with a, a system that actually, you know, makes both sides happy. To where the, the left wingers get their power and the right wingers get their power and the you know the leftist peons and drones don't you know sorry and they shouldn't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know maybe we can put them in zoos or make soiling green out of them.
0: That was actually <laughs> one of the quotes about from Patrick I love it was like um imagine a world with no leftism with no leftist. It's mm-hmm. um, any free society people can say anything they damn well please but in, in this free society the leftists are mocked and ridiculed. How great does that sound? Yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like it's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I want. <laughs>
1: Yes, that'd be great. That'd be great, and that, you know, and and you know, again with with the uh, you know, he says something that uh, I you know, he also says something that I really think is profound. It, because if you look at how medieval monarchy did a really did a pretty dang decent job of managing the uh, you know the peons on the left, and you know what they did was they had Christianity, and that was a you know this is why Marx called it the opiate of the masses that. Uh, Basically, he was uh, saying, "Hey, this thing, this uh, Christianity over here, is tells people to, you know, defer that gratification and store up your treasures in heaven, which, you know, as you know, practically means that you know that you're uh, just you know handing them off to your church or to your uh, children, mm-hmm. <laughs> so when you die. So that is, and you're living a very uh, moral and holy lifestyle that doesn't lend itself to the chaos and the libertinism." That the that the left really wants yeah. and, and you know if you look at uh anarchies throughout history you know the reason they did they overwhelmingly didn't work the number one reason was libertinism it was a problem because anarchy is in the the tradition of liberalism not the tradition of you know kind of illiberalism or monarchism or, or property you know yeah. it's not in the tradition of property if you look at places like you know uh Cospea or you know that uh, Ace likes to talk about. Ace is a good I, guy, by the way.
0: I would like I him. would love to host a host a conference with you guys only about historical anarchy. I would yeah. absolutely love to host that. I think this you guys are both know so much and are so long winded. There's so much to learn just from having you guys like take ten minutes ten turns talking. There's so much to learn.
1: Yeah, and the uh there's also like like the, the biblical anarchy and the anarcho-covenant mm-hmm. of you know the book of Judges and, and the books of Leviticus and Deuteronomy in the Bible, you know, where they uh you know, I mean, let's see, you know, this is like the number one, like every time they're about to get invaded <laughs> and taken over with by like some hostile force, mm-hmm. it always starts with, and the children of Israel did evil in the Lord's eyes. Like, yeah. no shit. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: then, and they start like, and they
1: start worshiping all these pagan gods that tell mm-hmm. them to. You'll live very, very libertine and you know, like far worse than that, like you know, lifestyle. So, like, I mean, it's like libertinism would be a a, a big improvement <laughs> over the score of lifestyles they were living. So, yeah,
0: absolutely. I think we uh, talked about when you first came on, actually, I think was we, you first asked about happy and covert community in the Old Testament. Um, mm-hmm. and it was just a history of like that. Was just, again, anyone listening, that's probably one of my favorite episodes I've done. Uh, because it's sets I go back to it sometimes because there's so much there that I just want to see keep taking in and so it's a great episode you should anyone listening to check it out
1: yeah absolutely and the uh so basically like you know this was a major problem and medieval monarchy solved it through you know basically christianity and what we're going to be uh you know probably get you know getting you know a return of is we know whenever you see christianity really making a comeback and you're and you're probably going to be seeing it pushed by a whole bunch of these uh corporations Mm. and you should be wary that this is what's coming you know they're using that they're going to bring back christianity as kind of a control mechanism it's probably going to be a very traditional version of christianity because that was the one that really worked the ones that didn't work were protestantism you know, and we've yeah, seen all the ways Jacob. that, yeah, we, you know, well, I, I frankly, I, th- I think uh, Jacob is like, you know, one way he's like, you know, yay far away from changing his name to biblical monarchy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I had he's this conversation so close on so much.
1: <laughs> well, I had this conversation with him last night and, you know, I mean, for a, you know, a reformed Protestant, he's really dang close to like the, uh, you know, to, to a, a uh, it really does. He does have a good appreciation of the the mm-hmm. more traditional ones like orthodoxy and and Catholicism, and yeah. you know it's that and uh, that tends to lead one direction uh, eventually. And I'm you know I don't know if it, I don't think he's going to change tomorrow, but uh, my prediction is, hey, you know that's that. Yeah, you know, whenever you see him change the name from biblical anarchy to biblical monarchy. Uh, I think we're going to be, I, I I think the, I think that's going to be a sign. So
0: <laughs> there he is. Speak of <laughs> the devil.
1: And, uh, but yeah, anyway, thanks Jacob. Lo- you Love you. And, uh, Great dude. but yeah, so, so this is where the, uh, <laughs> he knows people are talking about him, <laughs> but, uh, and uh, anyway, But yeah so so like this is the way i see them you know really taking this seriously and this is also something that yarvin's kind of talked about and Mm -hmm. not in patchwork but in other places where he's like hey whenever christianity whenever the monarchs make a comeback it's going to be under the christian banner Mm -hmm. and i really think that's like the very very close to true and that's what we should be probably expecting you know when and when we see that coming back you know just be wary that you know you should see what's coming
0: yeah okay i got a question for you real quick got two questions Mm for you one if you this is kind of an off-topic question but i want to ask this question to people who have on the podcast um you this can be a test one if you could give a lexo at a Mises u event what would that lexo be
1: and it's probably going to be uh, on the archotropism framework. I'd probably present, uh, you know, my I have two essays right now that I've written and I'm working on a third right now. I'm about, you know, two or three thousand words into it. Nice. And I would probably try to present the whole framework, you know, at least the or at least the first three laws. And I'm going to be getting through that in, you know, this latest essay that's I'm I've been working on. And it's going to be really long, way longer than the first two. And awesome. so that would be my, my presentation would be on the archotropism framework, because I feel like that's it. the thing, you know, libertarian and libertarians are missing most.
0: Hmm. OK, then last question. Um, I've noticed a lot. I I've, 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 I've observed this and I want to get your reaction to it. It seems to me that there are a lot of people looking for to listen and a lot of Protestants end up going down the Catholic route, but they end up becoming Puritan type uh, tradcasts. And a lot of the atheist people I've seen who were hardcore atheists end up going the orthodoxy route instead of the Catholic route. I have a theory on why that is. Do you have any? Have uh, you noticed that at all? Do you have any theory on why that is the case? Or
1: I have not noticed that actually. Okay. And but you know, if, if I had to take a stab at you know why, mm-hmm. you know, I would assume it's that you know that the Protestants have more roots in Catholicism. And the atheists, on the other hand, are, you know, so far removed from any of the mysticism, you know, which is like, you know, which is probably the thing they're most hungry for, Mm. you know, that, uh, you know, because Protestants, they do have something of a mysticism. And, you know, and it depends on kind of what their hunger is. I think their hunger is a lot more for tradition and authority because they kind of have the mystical roots, kind of. Mm. And but they what what they are really suffering from in Protestantism is a lack of authority. Whereas yeah. when in the, uh, you know, with the atheists, because they're lacking everything, again, they are a branch of Protestantism, you know, so they're lacking authority too. But I think what they're, you know, what they're lacking most is just they're, they're, there's a longing for God there. And there's yeah. a longing for a spiritual, mystical, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, world to them. And I would say that, you know, that's something that's far more heavily emphasized in orthodoxy is that mysticism. And that's probably why they would go that mm-hmm. direction. That's my theory. Wonderful. Just off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's i I've, I've been I'm noticing that more and more and I've been going on I've been talking to a lot more Orthodox people in Orthboros on Twitter. And, I, and they're talking to them, they're I was an ACS. and thought a lot of new mm-hmm. Catholics to say I was Protestant. And I'm like I just I'm noticing that I'm trying to figure out why people mm-hmm. what is the incentives in those things because of people to kinda of go that direction. Mm-hmm. Or what's missing in the current framework that is amplified and other, other ones and so, yeah
1: what is most missing you know mm-hmm. in your uh framework i think is the yeah. you know d- uh, highly determinative of the direction that you go yeah. and yeah you do get some you know like re- uh, i think uh matt erickson was reformed and now he's orthodox And I'm like yeah, yeah. It's, it's a general it's rule of some, yeah
0: it's a general so yeah um well i know it's so many aces i've been talking to who became orthodox um because 'cause I've been getting to them over this debate on reason and how can we ne- how do we know what we know and that whole nonsense that I'm just tired mm-hmm. of already. Um and my perspective has been a lot of them that they made reason their god and that they reasoned the way to atheism. And then they ha- they had a religious experience or a calling or a uh, their, their mind was blown by a religious saying, and then instead of um reassessing their reason, they've dropped reason because they can't th- 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 themselves from the reason they were performing. And they become anti-reason or it's what I've been dealing a lot with recently. Huh. Yeah, I haven't I haven't, you
1: know, seen that side of them yet, but I know I know it's kind of there because I've seen like that there's a uh, you know, there there's a, a branch of them that really seem to be like uh, oh some things really are unknowable and they're yeah. they're kind of Kantian in that yeah and the uh, and I'm not and I'm not quite sure why that is. I haven't looked into it much yet, mm-hmm. and you know the but uh you know I kind of disagree I had some disagreements uh with with uh them, uh, I remember you oh you were a part of this discussion like with Adam Patrick, yeah. where you know he was saying, hey, there's a whole lot of stuff about God that is just unknowable. And I kind of dropped that that verse from you know first John, and mm-hmm. it's like like uh yeah, w- well, we can know God through love. I think we can know him pretty dang well through Mm -hmm. love, you know, I mean, not perfectly because again, human love is, you know, a kind of a mitigated or milk and water version of the real thing. And this is something that's echoed in Catholic, in uh, Catholic theology. If you look at uh, uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux and he says, Hey, like the fourth level, there's uh, four levels of love. And the fourth one is God, you know, that's like direct love with God and we don't get that in, in life. You know and this is like the basis of you know why in the old testament if you saw god you died was that like yeah okay you've you've looked upon perfect love and now Mm -hmm. it's like why would you stay here with this why would your soul not want to be directly connected with that immediately so you just die Mm -hmm. and because there's no point in living beyond that now you can't go back to, to human love when you've experienced the perfect thing and the uh and so that was like the that's the Catholic explanation for for it and I don't know if the uh orthodox uh you know agree with that because Bernard of Clairvaux was like it was like 11 or 1200 I think you know is you know 12th or 13th century or something like that so you know that's well beyond the, the uh the great schism and yeah. so they, uh, you know, I don't know if, and they, and they're not big on that whole economy thing, you know, either they, they agree with it theoretically, uh, but they like really, really de-emphasize it and like, you know, like shove it under the frog if they can. Mm-hmm. And you, and you saw this with, uh, their, like their big guy, Greg Palamas, who, you know, was like, okay, yeah, we agree with it, but like, you know, shove it away. You know, we, we don't want to talk about that very much. Mm-hmm. And because we really want to focus on our, ont- on, on our ontology. Which you know Catholics don't really disagree with, and yeah. anyway, but that, that that's a uh, that's a topic for another time. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's the, uh, the yeah, the, like what what you're saying about them. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry. What was I just brain farted? What was your yeah. uh, your argument?
0: My, my 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 observation was that the ACS yeah. who reason themselves to atheism when they have a mystical experience of God. They can't distance themselves from their reason, so instead of saying that I reason incorrectly, its reason was wrong.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, and so yeah.
0: Okay. Well, this was a very short episode. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I oh one more question. You've got a. It seems like you've read a lot of Yavin. What would be some Yavin books people should read? Or I would books, actually pieces. pieces.
1: Yeah, I would tell them, hey, you need. There depends on who they are. If they're Mises Caucus, I would, you know, say, you know, maybe the Iron Polygon or Why I'm Not a Libertarian. Mm. And the Iron Polygon is probably a bit a better one. You know, if you're really interested, you know, I'm going to be kind of talking a little more in depth tomorrow night about Patchwork, and I'm going to be, re- you know, reading quotes from it uh, as a kind of rebuttal to uh, Ace and Keith because they, they, I, I feel like they unintentionally straw manned him when they were going through their three hour episode because they assumed the whole time that he's talking about medieval monarchy when he's clearly not you know when you when he's talking about his corporate monarchy and patchwork and also in like a formless manifesto etc cetera, etc cetera, you know they, quite a few places he's clearly talking about a private law society so if you're you know if you're making all of these arguments against him you know which are you know as if he's you know supporting medieval monarchy when he's really not you know, I feel like that's uh, that's not being fair to him. So I and, and that's you know, I'm going to make that argument in probably under five or ten minutes. And so if you, uh, I'm not I'm not going to take three hours to to rebut them, but I am going to go through slide by slide, point by point, and say, okay, here's why I kind of disagree with you, and I don't think you're being you're, I don't think you're characterizing him correctly. And your arguments might actually be wrong mm-hmm. uh, for other reasons besides the fact that you assumed that he was talking about medieval monarchy when he's clearly not. And the uh, and so I'm going to make that tomorrow. And uh, you know, if you want to uh, learn a little bit more about Patchwork and ha- and uh, you know Yaron's arguments, you can tune into that or, or just read Patchwork. It's it's long, it's twenty six thousand words, but uh, you know it's it's still a really really good read. And yeah, yeah of course, I've, some yeah. of it is tongue in cheek. This is a blog, yeah. not a book. So
0: yeah, I, I've had the I noticed that when I was reading him on uh, I was reading his book on his piece. I keep saying book, but it's a blog post. His piece on yeah. Carlisle um there's some Mm -hmm. things he says i'm like or he seemed to do an interview i'm like i don't know if he means that i don't know i I don't know him well enough if i'm reading his work to know when he's being serious or not i can kind of guess but sometimes i'm like i don't know if he means that he might mean that
1: yeah i mean for the most part i take him seriously not literally Mm. you know and there's a lot of places where i I don't take him literally
0: yeah i'm trying to get him on a podcast I want to talk to him uh, about, uh, <laughs> I know really my, my selling point is saying, Hey, I don't want to talk about anything you've done. I want to talk about Eric Von, uh, Ladin ladine which he brought up multiple, he's brought up multiple times. And so, okay, that's my hope is that he'll see someone wanting to see, yeah. Hey, I can talk about a guy. I bring up a lot. That I don't really get to talk about because Everyone's had him on for Carlisle and other stuff. And so I'm hoping I can mm-hmm. sell him on coming out and talk about someone else. So, yeah. Well, that's my good luck. Thank you. Well guys, another episode of uh, face, Liberty and Praxis. Um, Andrew, what do people find you at?
1: Uh, you can find me, find me at popular liberty underscore on Twitter. You can find me at popular liberty on YouTube, uh, where I will be tomorrow night for that rebuttal. And you can also join my supporting listeners group at subscribestar.com forward slash popular dash liberty. If you want to have uh, a lot deeper conversations, uh, which Caleb can, uh, uh, you know, he, Caleb can attest to that. We do have good conversations in there.
0: It was a blast being in there. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Take care.
0: Thank you too.